This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Episode 311 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I'm welcoming a former guest on the podcast. His name is Peter Council. He's the, the host of Clyde River Cottage in Southern Australia, and he was on episode 129, where we talked about the importance of diversifying your Airbnb business by, for example, having your own website. Um, now, I asked Peter to come back on the show because we are going to discuss a very different topic. Um, as you may have heard, there's been crazy bushfires going on in Australia, and uh, Peter had to evacuate uh, a couple times, and it's affected the regions, affected his business. And so in this podcast, we are going to talk about you know, what happens if something like this happens in your area, and you have to evacuate, you have to cancel bookings, how do you recover from it, what if the tourism goes down? We're going to be talking all about that. So Peter, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Good morning, Jasper, or good afternoon. I'm not quite sure what time it is where you are, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always uh, that's always the question, right? Um, yeah, I'm in Dallas, Texas, right now, so I think pretty much on the other side of the world from where you are. Yeah, but it's a different situation uh, where I am now. We the fires are well, where I am, the fires are now out. We're expecting rain this afternoon, but the fires do continue down in Victoria which is uh, south of where I am. I'm about 250 k south of Sydney, just near Canberra, the capital. And we've had absolutely devastating fires over here for the last, well, it's been about six weeks now. And I think there's been uh, about 300,000 hectares or a million acres of uh, area that's burnt all around us. So it's looking pretty grim. Is it the, the worst fires that you guys have had in the, in the history or almost the worst? Uh, well and truly. You might mention they had all the fires at the Amazon quite recently in South America. Well, I think this one well and truly eclipsed that. So it is a real huge disaster. And it's, it's not just one area. It's virtually a whole state, or well, actually right. two states now, and um, entirely due to the severe drought that Australia has been experiencing. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. I'm sure everybody has heard about it. And uh, it's, it's affected you personally. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what's been going on for you in the last six weeks? Okay, well, it first started, uh, what happened was we had a, the fire started off from a lightning strike and they, they started calling this one the Karawan Fire. And that ended up being a, a 1 million acres because they to give them all different names until they join up to each other. And my brother lives about a 15 minute drive from me and he lives right in the middle of the bush. It's, um, the fires got really, really bad around him. But this is the beginning of the fires. And Fortunately, the rural fire service was allowed to uh, use a lot of resources to look after him. So he had literally had the, um, a Boeing 737 dropping all that red stuff over his house. He had uh, helicopters and 
they had a very, very intense operation over a week or so, and they managed to save at least a dozen or so houses. So in the meantime, he had to evacuate to my place. And so he packed up all his animals and his wife and all his belongings and came out here for a while. And he was here for about a week or so. And then um, he got out of the out of the situation. Then about two weeks later on, the fires came towards me. So we had to evacuate from my place back to his place again because it was safe by then. We got there and another week later, the fires came back to where he was. So we had to evacuate a third time. So <laughs> we were running out of places to evacuate too. And eventually, the last evacuation, we couldn't go to our local town because the highways were all shut. The police turned us back. And we had to make a run for it to um, the next town at uh, a little village called Ulladulla. And we were stuck there for two or three days until the highway opened and the, the fire had gone past. So it's been a really exciting uh, four or five weeks. I can imagine them. Well, I can't really imagine. I've never been in a, in a, in a fire. So, but I can imagine that it's, uh, it must be, uh, must be quite frightening. So what, what's the, how does it work? So you have to, when you're evacuating, obviously you have to cancel a lot of bookings, I imagine, right? Okay. With respect to the Airbnb bookings, we, this is our peak season. Uh, we, we make, well, over the six weeks, it's the school holidays here now. We've had Christmas and things like that. And normally I would have every single night booked out for all of December and all of January and even February straight away as soon as the fires started coming the guests might have been just ringing up saying hey what's it like can we still come and everything was fine i'd say yep yep continue on with your journey and as the fires got worse and worse that's when um, we started getting a few cancellations a couple of transfers which was really nice but people were worried not so much from the fire but we had a lot of smoke down here as well so it wouldn't have been very pleasant coming down so that was the other issue is the smoke and highways being closed off and we had no new bookings coming in. Even now for the last six weeks, I have not had one new booking coming in. So all of the rest of January is pretty well empty. Um, all of February, March is empty as well. Actually, I do have some people coming in this weekend and they had previously cancelled then rebooked, which is quite nice. So that, that was the big issue of people just, just cancelling all the time because obviously they couldn't get here. And that brought up a couple of issues because there's two things. Do we cancel them or do they cancel off? And a couple of other hosts rang me up saying, look, uh, what's the go? Because they were scared of cancelling, thinking that it would be a black mark against them from Airbnb. And so my immediate advice was to contact Airbnb. Uh, if you're a super host, you have that uh, hotline. And Airbnb were absolutely fantastic. And they cancelled the bookings. They contacted all the guests. And it was really a streamless process. Neither the guest nor the host received any black marks for, for cancelling. And I suppose the big issue was the um, cancellation deposits. Now, we have a moderate cancellation policy, so that means if uh, people cancel within, I think it's a few days, they, they lose a certain amount and Airbnb take theirs. But we just waived that and just gave 100% refunds, and I think that's what most people would have done so. And uh, if they don't, certainly they were going to get a lot of flack from social media. So that's my strongest point of advice is if you or the guest has to cancel because of that, make sure you give all their money back and uh, request Airbnb to do the same for you. Well, it's good to hear that uh, the Airbnb uh, has, was helpful. That's not that's not always the case when uh, when hosts get in trouble. But I guess that it is good to know that if for whatever reason it's not safe for the guests to stay at your property, then uh, Airbnb typically is uh, is is quite helpful in resolving the situation. I remember talking to 
somebody in, uh, I, I think it was Venice Beach, somebody who had bed bugs in their uh, home. And so they had to cancel uh, a bunch of bookings. And uh, the process was uh, very similar where Airbnb, they actually canceled the bookings for the host and they didn't get any penalties and everything. And, uh, and so it's, you know, that's at least uh, good to know that Airbnb has been helpful. No, they couldn't, it couldn't have been more helpful because, as I said, there's, there's two steps involved. And the first one is well, when do you cancel them or when should they cancel? And what happened is as the fire got closer and closer, um, we still had people because people were travelling between Melbourne and Sydney and they were on the road anyhow and they, they didn't want to cancel. I contacted them and said, look, if you cancel, there's no cancellation penalties and um, feel free to cancel if you wish. However, they still wanted to come. And actually, the last group of guests we had, I think they were here for four nights. They only stayed for three. Because you can just imagine, um, the area is really, really smoky. Across the river from where we were, there's, um, the fire front was only about two or three kilometres away. It sounds really close, but unless the wind picks up, it's not too bad. So the people arrived uh, on the day, and I gave them my usual briefing, you know, welcome to the place, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing, the state emergency service pulled up and um, gave them what to do in the evacuation, how to evacuate, and <laughs> gave them the other warning as well. And so they were a little bit concerned about And I said, look, look, we're staying here. It's quite okay. If it doesn't get safe, we'll, we'll let you know. And unfortunately, about um, at 2 o'clock, two days later, we had phone calls and messages on our text coming through saying, okay, if you're going to leave, now's the time to leave because the fires are getting really close. And we wake up at three o'clock in the morning, looked across the river and the whole sky was just a red glow. And at that stage, I still didn't think it was too bad because we have a, a river, uh, which is it's quite large. It's about 200 metres across. So there was no immediate concern. So I thought, oh, I'll let the guests have a bit of a sleep in. <laughs> and it wasn't until about seven or eight o'clock we um, went and saw them and said, look, um, now's the time to go. It's no immediate danger, but um, definitely we must be gone by about 10 or 11 o'clock. And they, they were cool about that. There was no worries at all. So we packed them up, packed all our gear up and got going. And I went over to the village of Nelligan, where I live, and started taking photos. And by 11 o'clock, there was just this massive wall of smoke and it, the sky got really, really dark. By then, the highway had been shut. And I managed to uh, follow a fire engine out on the highway and um, just got out of there as quick as I could. Because you have two options. You can either run away or you can stay to fight the fire. But um, the first thing that happens when the fire does approach is you lose your electricity. And where we are, we don't have town water or anything like that. And, of course, once the power goes off, you don't have any uh, fire hoses to, to even fight. And really, you are putting your life in danger then. So that's when things get really, really bad. So um, we got out of the place, which was great. I imagine this uh, this whole disaster has probably also impacted all the animals in, in the area, like the kangaroos and everything, koala bears. Yeah, everything's been very sad. I, they put estimates about 1 billion wildlife animals that have been killed. Even this morning, I was driving along the highway and you can see quite a few bodies and things. Actually, I saw a couple of uh, wallabies on the edge of the road just picking where we, um, there's a little bit of green feed for them because everything's black. It's just all charcoal everywhere you look. So the uh, recovery is going to be a long time for the animals. There's uh, a lot of money set aside for the uh, koalas and looking after them. So it's, it's pretty well total devastation, and that, that impacts upon the tourism. And as I said, Jasper, it's not just now, but now we've got a, a long recovery period because we live in an area which is famed for its beaches and for its uh, nature and its wildlife. 
a lot of the nature, a lot of the bushwalks have now been burnt and it's, it's actually extremely dangerous to go walking in the bush now because the trees are still falling over and it's not very pleasant to look at. It's all black, everything's ash. Even the house had to spend two days just um, cleaning the outside of the hash because it's all covered in black soot. <laughs> it was quite unpleasant. So as you can imagine, we're getting absolutely no bookings for Airbnb. Everything's just stopped completely. So now the government's talking about possible uh, disaster recovery assistance. So they may give us a little bit of money just to help us get back on our feet. So hopefully that'll, um, that'll happen soon. Yeah, that's that's really sad. That's really sad to hear. Let's talk about the recovery process. Um, so, what are your thoughts on you know how do you how do you get your business back on the rails? How do you start getting bookings again? What, is, what does that process look like? Well, it's got to be done on a macro level. It's um, all I can do as an Airbnb host, host is just um, put out a few Facebook posts and things like that. But that's not going to get any really bookings. So it's a matter of supporting um, other organisations such as the Tourism Bureau. They're getting a massive injection of funds trying to encourage people back to the region. So it's more of a regional thing that's going to happen. And from my micro point of view, it's then making sure that my listing is ready to accept people. So this time of the year, a lot of Airbnb hosts would have been hoping for, you know, a five-night or a seven-night booking at um, top rates. My advice there is, look, cut it right back to one or two-night bookings. Just make it as easy as possible for people to, to book your place you obviously can't demand peak prices anymore. Uh, you don't give the place away, but be a bit more realistic in your, your pricing and communicate with potential guests as much as you can because their big concerns are, look, if I come down here, um, is it still dangerous? Uh, is the smoke levels gone? Can I go to the beach? Can I go bushwalking? And it's really important to be very upfront with exactly what's going on and keep them in touch throughout the whole process. So even the guests we have coming this Friday I've sent them about five or six messages over the last two weeks, just keeping them up to date. So that way, if they do decide to cancel, they've got plenty of time to rearrange their, their holiday plans. And uh, as I said, I don't expect to get many bookings for at least a few months until things settle down and um, things won't be back to normal for probably 12 months. So can't do much about it, but uh, just got to push on and hope for the best. If you're a vacation rental host and you're managing multiple properties, you probably have a ton of messages flying back and forth for inquiries, coordinating bookings, and even during the stay. And that can be a real headache to manage. With HostFleet's property management software, geared towards hosts with 10 properties and up, you can use a unified inbox to simplify communications and make sure that you're working across all your channels, including Airbnb. Please take a minute to learn more about this by checking out HostFleet.com. Is there any other way that you can use your, your space other than renting out an Airbnb? Uh, not really. It gives me a chance to try and improve it if I can, maybe improve the grounds, but maybe think a little bit differently. Uh, we've got a couple of rooms in our house, which uh, I did have listed, but I took those off, so I might put those back on again. Uh, look, there's not a great deal you can do, but the fortunate thing is at least we've got an Airbnb. It, Actually, the second time we evacuated, we got a message in the middle of the night that our house had actually burnt down, and it wasn't for another 12 hours that we found out that it wasn't our house, it was another seven houses in the same street. So we were very, very lucky. So even though it's, it's bad for bookings, you've got to feel really sorry. In our area alone, I think there's about 800 people lost their homes, and they're the ones you've got to really feel sorry for. Uh, a lot of businesses will probably go uh, out of business because... We rely so much upon the tourism and the tourism just stopped for this year. 
I also wait, wait for one of the local caravan parks and um, they haven't had any bookings also for the last four or five weeks. They still haven't got any guests coming in at all for another two or three days. So it's really had a major hit on the tourism economy. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, which a lot of people may not be aware of with Airbnb, is they have a, a program called the Airbnb Open Homes. And that's where, let's say, for example, um, I as a host or as a tourist, I'm caught in this area here and I, I can't stay anywhere. I've been evacuated. And Airbnb allow hosts to open up their homes at no charge. There's no Airbnb fees there. And they have a special program so evacuees can go and stay there free of charge. Uh, so even now, even this weekend, if I had to, if I was evacuated now, I could go to nearby cities and towns and I would be put up free of charge by other Airbnb hosts, which is a fantastic idea. It's definitely one that it's a disaster program they have. They also have one program for the refugees and other things like that. So if you just go to the airbnb.com, I think it's forward slash open homes, and there's all sorts of information about that there. So you can either utilize that as a, a potential guest, or if there's a disaster in your area, you can open up your home or your listing and offer it to other people that might be affected. So that's really worthwhile looking at, and uh, Airbnb have a whole division looking after that system there. Yeah, that's a great initiative uh, on, the, on Airbnb's part, for sure. I was thinking, uh, are there any people that will come to the area to rebuild, like, for example, construction workers or you know, maybe government workers? Like, would there be an opportunity to maybe offer those people long-term accommodation with some of your, some of your rooms? Oh, yes, yes. There's, uh, we've even got the army in town at the moment. So the army have set up a, a big centre here in town. They're offering food and drinks and support. Uh, we've had a lot of people from um, the biggest cities and even from overseas, um, Canada, initially to fight the fires. But now they're here to help the recovery process. Uh, on our highway between us and Canberra, I think there's about 2,000 trees that have to be pulled down uh, to make the highway safe. So there's a, a massive input of workers into the area. And we'll be working with the local tourism authorities just registering our place saying, look, we're available um, for short-term rentals. We, we're here. We're still in business. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's the obvious one at the moment. But we've had nothing from that at this stage. But, look, it's only just opened up. It's literally only last night the highway opened up back up uh, so people could even get to the area. And so hopefully we'll start getting um, some of those government workers coming in looking for the, for the short-term accommodation. And normally this time of the year, it's just about impossible to get a bed. But now there's a, a massive amount of um, available accommodation. So I imagine that every accommodation provider will be, will be fighting to um, offer their places. But it's also important not to get into some sort of pricing war because um, I don't believe in that. There's no point giving your place away. But once again, you, you definitely can't charge uh, peak season prices. So hopefully we can get uh, a little bit of business out of that. And it's just a matter of um, yeah, just plugging away and hoping for the best. So what can we do to support you? Well, the big thing is internationally, I suppose. A lot of people think, well, there's no point going to Australia because of all the fires. Uh, my message is, look, it's quite safe to come to Australia. The fires are pretty much out. There's still lots of things you can do. And even in our area, it's not 100% devastation. There's still areas you can go to that haven't been affected by the fire. Still lots of things you can see and do. Uh, all the tourism businesses are striving more than ever to provide really good experiences down here. So 
Australia and the south coast of New South Wales is well and truly definitely open for business and we're willing to show people what a great place this still is. People still go fishing and surfing and swimming, all those things are still possible and um, no, it's still all happening. So yeah, please come on down. And of course, uh, like you mentioned, uh, people aren't charging the, the typical high season type of prices. So for people looking to have a smaller budget, this might be a good time to travel actually. Oh, a perfect time. It's um, Look, accommodation prices are always uh, based on, should be based on supply and, and demand. Um, even though it's school holidays, with our particular listing, we, um, we don't target family groups because we only take um, two people in. So most of the time, we're just after uh, couples traveling along the place, and that's our little niche that we target. Yeah, so once, once the word gets back out, they'll, they'll continue on, and yeah, things should pick up. I don't know if you can hear it or not. We still have helicopters in the area <laughs> doing surveillance around the place. So it's a little bit noisy outside at the moment. Only about two or three weeks ago, we had literally airplanes flying over the top of the house about a, only about 200 feet above us uh, going down to scoop water up from the river to fight the fires. So that was really quite exciting. And the last lot of guests we had were sitting out in our jetty watching these airplanes go past, picking up water from the river and... Um, watching the helicopters and 737 is dropping all this red stuff. So it was, it was quite an exciting time. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So let, let us know how we can, uh, how we can find your listing for the people that, uh, you know, might potentially be interested in, in traveling down to the down under Southeast Australia, right? Southeast, well, our, our particular listing, if they just uh, do your Google search to Clyde, it's Clyde spelt C-L-Y-D-E, so it's Clyde River Cottage, and you'll find our website there, or if you just go to um, the Airbnb site, and we've got one of those special listings where we've been a super host for over three years now, and uh, we can actually have where if our name is um, airbnb.com, I think it's forward slash something something, Clyde River Cottage. Or if you just do a search for Nelligan, that's N-E-L-L-I-G-E-E-N, and that's our little uh, village nearby. And there were about five or six listings for Nelligan. I, I, I think we're all intact. There's a couple of places which were surrounded by, by fire. I don't know if they survived or not, but um, I've yet to contact them. But um, I certainly hope they have because it's a really big concern for other Airbnbs in the area. Awesome, awesome. So... Um before I let you go, you've been hosting on Airbnb for a very long time. You've, you know, have a lot of expertise. I know you're even planning on, um, you know, on helping other people with their hosting. I know, like three years ago when we when we chatted, I think you were already, you know, very actively involved in the in the community. What are your best tips for for people that uh, that want to start out with with an Airbnb business these days? <laughs> my number one tip is buy get paid for your pad and start listening to your podcasts your book is the bible as far as i'm concerned and even at my courses that i used to run that was the first thing that i said to go and do because a lot of people make the mistake of thinking look we've got a really nice um place for people to stay but that's to me that's the last thing you look at you've got to look at what you want out of airbnb what you want out of it whether it's money or a company or just as an interest then you have to focus on what type of guest you want. Once you've decided those two things, then you can model your accommodation to suit those two needs. And from there, it's a matter of getting those, all the things that you suggest, having the really good listing, having the good photos, because you've really got to make a good impact from the very, very outset. 
Um, otherwise, you're going to get pushed right down the bottom of the listings and not get good reviews. So if you can get good reviews from the very, very first start, that's going to put you in so much good standing for your Airbnb career. So definitely don't just jump in, put up a listing and hope for the best because it won't happen. There's a lot of competition out there. And my other thing is you, you should always strive to be an Airbnb super host as quickly as you can and to maintain it. Not so much for the benefits. So there are great benefits. Um, during the files, it was great having your own phone number that you could bring up Airbnb, like a direct line, and they were really super helpful. But um, I view being a super host as a gauge of how well you're doing. And that's, that's really important. If you haven't got that super host status, it means you're doing something that's not quite right. It might be your communication or the place itself. So you've really got to look at those reviews, listen to what people are saying and uh, working out what you have to do to make it better. So um, that's my three suggestions or whatever it was, but get the book, read the book before you even start. It's, it's a great resource and obviously listen to um, all your podcasts. I think you've done 311 podcasts now and a lot of those podcasts are um, as good as they were, especially the early ones because the early ones you spoke a lot about um, how people got into Airbnb and the reasons why. And I think that's also still very, very important. I know there's, um, at the moment you're focusing on um, managing multiple properties and things like that, which is a whole new niche, uh, whereas I tend to specialise in the, um, the small timers, the original type ones that just have that one or two listings. But the principles are all exactly the same and um, focus on the guest and focus on what you want out of it. And um, yeah, focus a little bit less on getting the, um, the property right. I think that's, that's the third thing that you need to do. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And by the way, I uh, I think your website is uh, is really great. I'm curious, did you build that yourself, or how did you put that together? Yeah, I built that myself. Um, actually, I'm just starting up a new website now. I've got a, a business called Guest Scatter, and that will be for training people wanting to get into Airbnb for the first time. Just um, what you do basically, but just uh, look. Here's how to get involved in Airbnb, or here's how to improve your listing. And one of the things I hope to offer is just a, just a very, very basic website. And I build those myself using a, a bit of software called Divi Themes and just makes it really easy. And it's just a nice, easy way to get into having your own site because, as you know, I'm a great believer, don't put all your eggs in one basket because you, if you do have a problem with Airbnb or Booking.com, whoever you use, it's important that you can remain independent. And even now, if I want to, I can put up a post or a blog post and I can get other, um, a lot of people still don't like using Airbnb for whatever reason. Uh, but if they go doing a Google search for accommodation in my area, I pop up on Airbnb and my own website. So that's really, really important. And at the moment, I think our bookings, we do about 70% would be Airbnb and 30% are direct. So it's definitely worthwhile having your own site. Awesome. So if, if people who are listening, if uh, people want to have their own website, can they contact you and get a quote from you? Oh, please do. We'll definitely look after them. <laughs> we give them lots of goodies anyhow. We give them free ice creams and beers and things like that. Actually, I stayed to try and stay in your one of your listings over in Cali. I spent a month in um, Colombia just recently. We've been over for the uh, Medellin Marathon and went to Cali and I was hoping to stay at your place, but obviously you, you were booked out. So we stayed around the corner. And I must say, anyone going to Cali, definitely go and stay at your listing because it's in a really, really nice area. It's some lovely restaurants and it's in a really central part of Cali as well. And Colombia is a fantastic place to stay. We just went over there for the one month and had an absolute ball. 
Yeah, so well done to you. When you first had your listing over in Carly, I thought that's a strange sort of place to go. But having been there, um, I can fully understand why you chose that and the area that you chose. So well done on your selection there, Jasper. Thank you. Thank you. I'm actually going to be there in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to Cartagena next week for SCR Legends. And then uh, I'll, I'll definitely be staying at my own uh, apartment for uh, for a couple of days. So I'll uh, definitely will be shooting some videos and hopefully record a podcast from there. And I'm glad you uh, appreciated the, the neighborhood uh, as much as I do, because I, I definitely love that little neighborhood. It's it's almost like a tiny little village within a in a big city. There's over two million people living in uh, in Cali, uh, which yeah. is uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think if you if you walk around that neighborhood that it just feels very feels very peaceful to me. Oh, we walked down to the nearby park, the um, what we call the cat park with all the cat sculptures, and that was really interesting. But a lot of people say, well, Cali, you just go there, don't stay there overnight. But we stayed for three nights. And really, really enjoyed it. It's the old thing. You really have to get into a neighbourhood, walk around, become part of the neighbourhood, the old Airbnb thing. But we had this lovely little coffee shop and they made the most wonderful breakfasts and um, some great pubs, some great bars. So, yeah, just go for it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Peter. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I wish you all the best uh, best of luck in the, in the future recovering from uh, this big disaster, of course and uh, keep us posted. If you want to check out Peter's listing, it is uh, clyderivercottage.com.au. He has an, uh, a really nice website, some amazing pictures on there. So even uh, even if you're not planning to visit, I, uh, I think it's definitely worth uh, checking out Peter's website for some inspiration, maybe for your own. And if you want Peter to help you out with your website and support him, then uh, reach out. What's the best way to reach out to you? No, just through my website. That's the easiest. And um, as I said, I'll be building a new website soon, but I'll put a mention about that in my own website. So that's the other advantage of having your own website. You've got a direct line of communication, whereas it's a little bit difficult using um, Airbnb all the time. Absolutely. And uh, of course, all this information is going to be on the show notes page of this podcast episode. So that's going to be at getpaidforyourpad.com. You can click on the podcast uh, menu item and then you'll see all 310 episodes have their own little page with the show notes and the links and all of that. So feel free to uh, to check that out. Um, so Peter, thanks, uh, thanks for being on the show and uh, keep us posted. And to the listeners, uh, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And next week I will be back with another episode coming to you from Cartagena, probably in Colombia. So until then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get. Paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.